Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth. For the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Potterburn. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It's another live edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast here on a Friday night as uh, we get you prepared. Uh, talk to you a little bit about the 2025 recruiting trail. Now that we are officially on that, that's our main focus on the football side of things uh, with the calendar now turning over from that 2024 cycle, which just completed last Wednesday. Um, and look, you know, it's it's one of those things nowadays where we all know it. Things are just no longer the same with that normal signing period. That That's just it is what it is. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I think now, you know, more of the focus in recent years has been on the 2025 on, on your next year's class a little bit earlier. But at the same time, uh, I definitely think, you know, right now. Um, you know, the, the, the staff has done a good job. They're off to a tremendous start, to be honest with you, on the 2025 trail. 15th in the country as of right now. They've already landed five commitments. Uh, but the thing that we love to do this time of year, whenever uh, we start to look at the next year's class, is we've been doing it for years. We love to do the most wanted players in whatever class. And this year, uh, it feels like more than any, this is a pretty important one. Carolina's got um, some really, really good, um, you know, players in the state of North Carolina. So uh, I definitely think this will be a fun one tonight. And it's a little bit of a twist since we got the video element going. We are able to pull in some videos of these guys. All the videos that you'll see tonight, of course, are from Huddle. Um, and yeah, we'll take a look at all of those guys. It should be a ton of fun here on this edition of the podcast. Um, guys, uh, you know, the first thing that we have to do, though, got to update you on some actual news that's going on around Tar Heel football. And uh, unfortunately, the first 
bit of news that we have to start with. It's a pretty sad story, and it involves um, you know, a Tar Heel football player. There's not much that's really known outside of the information that was given the other day by WCHL Chapelboro, but um, basically Chapel Hill Police uh, did an investigation into a fatal vehicle accident uh, that killed a UNC student back in late January on the night of January 21st, around 2.20 a.m. along Highway 54 in Chapel Hill. There was a single car uh, accident that killed 20-year-old Mary Rotunda. Um, two other females that were involved in the accident that were in that car uh, have been charged uh, separately from each other. Uh, and then you do have separate charges for Toriel offensive lineman Zach Rice. Um, and this was confirmed. This was confirmed by WCHL Chapelboro that it is, in fact, Zach Rice, who was on the football team. You guys know him. Offensive lineman. Um, you know, he, he was in a separate vehicle, was not in the same vehicle as them. Uh, and as of right now, the charges that he is set to face, misdemeanor charges, uh, that is important to note in this situation, misdemeanor charges of driving after consuming under 21 years of age, consuming and possessing alcohol, uh, consuming or possessing alcohol, excuse me, under 21 years old and exceeding a posted speed limit. He is expected to appear in court on uh, March 7th. Uh, and as of right now, uh, the program has had no statement on that. Um, so any new information that we get on that, we will, of course, uh, transition that to you guys. Speaking of transitions, let's head over, talk about that 2025 class. And look, there's some news already coming out, guys. It, it really does start to roll in fast and furious, especially once that 24 class is in place. This is when you know, we're starting to see it already. Guys are starting to announce their official visits. Three guys have already set their visits to Chapel Hill. Onus Conan-Bonnie, uh, uh, excuse me, Onus Conan-Bonnie. There we go. Had to say it one time, and now I'll get it right the rest of the time. Uh, he is going to take his official visit to Chapel Hill uh, in or the early part of, of June. I believe it might be that that would be the first weekend that you can take official visits because it is June 7th. I may be wrong on that. Uh, you might be able to take them the week before starting in late May on that Friday into early June. Uh, but as of right now, it looks like that is one of the first, at least, visit windows that you're going to have. Uh, and he'll be there the 7th through the 9th. Uh, he'll be joined, uh, as we found out today, um, by uh, not Tayshawn Alston. Tayshawn Alston is going to be the 14th through the 16th. And now, of course, I had it in my head, and now I'm blanking on who the other one is. Oh, uh, Malik Clark, wide receiver from the state of South Carolina, Rock Hill High School. Uh, he will be joining him on the 7th through the 9th. And uh, this is only the start, guys. You're going to start seeing a lot of these guys roll in. Um, and look, you know, some of those guys we, we just talked about will appear on this list tonight um, for me uh, of, of the 10 guys. There's some that won't end up making this list. But there's also an article on the website as well that has a, a little bit more, 15 guys on there, not just the 10 that I'll break down tonight. So uh, make sure – after we finish up here, that you go and check out that article over on the website. I tweeted it out earlier today, too. So if you guys are watching on Twitter, really do appreciate it. And uh, the other thing 
Uh, looks like the internet's kind of going intermittently in and out, guys. I, I don't understand why we have not had this problem here recently. Um, but I do, you know, ask if you can just stick with us, guys, because it's going to be real entertaining uh, throughout the night the way that we're going to do these breakdowns. Well, we've kind of, you know, set the scene with everything that's going on around Tario football on that recruiting trail. So let's get right into it because we do have to get to Emory Hunt talking a little bit about the draft guys. Uh, for Carolina that are trying to make it to the next level. Uh, big step. Uh, we'll tell you about the guys that got invited to the combine coming up a little bit later. But uh, look, we made you wait long enough. Let's get into it. And we'll start, uh, guys. And I'm going to change the layout here just a little bit because uh, I do want to uh, pull in the videos. And uh, the first guy that we'll start, we'll go with number 10. And it's a guy out of the state of Virginia. Offensive line. Now, uh, these these first two guys are going to be a little out of sorts. The wrong video. Uh, that's not exactly what I wanted. That's actually my number nine player right there. So let me see if I can adjust this here and pull in the right player. We're going to get to him in just a second. Uh, I know this is again not the greatest thing here. Uh, for some reason. I think I got these mixed up here. And there we go. There's the guy that I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, ultimately. Uh, that's Jalen Gilchrist, offensive tackle uh, here in these videos. But he's an interior offensive lineman, a four-star interior offensive lineman uh, from Salem High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Really talented overall prospect. You know, some of the things that stood out to me here, you can see it right, right here on the video if you're watching them here at right tackle, just kind of a physical beast, a mauler, especially in the run game. That's where he really succeeds. And look, he's playing outside here. When he gets to the next level, he's not. He's going to probably transition inside just because of the body style. I think he sort of fits that a little bit. Um, you know, moves pretty well. You see it right there. Uh, that's that's kind of what you like to see from some of these bigger guys. You want to see the athleticism, especially if they're going to play early when they get to campus. Um, but, you know, to me, the thing, you know, the things that really stuck out just overall to his tape, and I'll, I'll let it keep rolling here for you guys so that uh, you guys can watch it. But, uh, you know, Mauler in the run game, that was really the thing that I, I liked the most. You see, you know, a, a guy that stacks up pancake blocks, which is basically where you knock the defensive lineman down to the ground. You can also do it, of course, to linebackers and to members of the secondary if you're able to climb to that second level. Loved his hand, his hand placement. I think it really allows him to control a lot of the defensive linemen that he's going to get. And then one of the really important things, especially when you're watching a guy in pass protection that you're looking for, is the footwork. And I thought his footwork was really clean. There's no false step right off the line of scrimmage. And that really sets you up when you're pass protecting, especially a tackle, to be in a good position to take on even some of the speedier edge rushers that you're going to face. Again, I would put him inside. To me, there's no way that you're playing him on the outside. I just, I, I don't think that's something that you can really afford to do. Um, but I think with his body style and the fact that he is so successful in the run game, I really do feel like he's a guy that can thrive there. Um, and look, interior offensive line is a need for Carolina in this class. Unfortunately, you know, they lost one of their guys, Justin uh, Hazenhoodle, a guy that I really thought Carolina would have a chance with because they have done such a good job of recruiting Raven Gap 
uh, which is a school that's in you know the upstate of Georgia. They play a lot of games here locally. So Carolina has you know been in contact with a lot of these kids. There's a couple other guys uh, that they're in contact with. One guy that's not on this list, Marshall Pritchett. Um, I'll just let you in on that one. Extremely talented player, really good tight end. Uh, Carolina has been on him for a while. They're recruiting him hard. Uh, Carolina also has a couple other guys that they have offered uh, there. So I, I think, you know, he this is one that feels crucial. Uh, ultimately, what do I think is probably going to end up happening? If I had to guess, Carolina will offer more guys along the interior. I would be very shocked if the group that they have now is the group that they're ultimately going to be rolling with. But um, look, it's certainly it's certainly possible that this could be uh, the group of guys that they're rolling with. With Gilchrist, um, you know, it's it's hard. There's there are some teams that are sticking out early on. Um, you know, Virginia is is not an area that Carolina is nearly as well tied into now that Dre Bly is gone. But it still feels like they've offered a lot of guys. It, you know, Gilchrist is a guy that I really do think um, Carolina, if they start to push, could have a chance with. Um, but South Carolina is off to a really good start for him. Um, you know, there's a couple other schools, of course, the in-state schools, Virginia, Virginia Tech are certainly schools to watch. Penn State's always a school that's usually involved with guys, uh, especially in the Virginia Beach area over the last couple of years. So, I mean, look, Carolina's got their work cut out for them, but, you know, especially with the fact that you are out of the running for Hazen Hoodle, it doesn't look like there are, really are a lot of other guys at the position that you've offered that you have a legitimate chance to land. I, I do think that Carolina has to get aggressive here and try to go after some of these guys uh, along the offensive line, even if they are a little bit behind the eight ball on them. Let's go to our number nine player in this class. And again, so I apologize for uh, the you know, ratio on this one. Uh, I promise the next two will get a lot better. It's just these files uh, got way too big towards the end, and I had to uh, get creative on how to get it up here. But this is London Merritt. Um, and if you guys don't know about London Merritt, this is a guy that Carolina, this was reported by Inside Carolina after the uh, visit weekend that took place during the Duke game, this was a guy that Carolina was pretty much dead and gone with. Uh, they were not in his recruitment anymore. Uh, you know, part of it was just, I think everybody kind of knew that Gene Chizik was kind of a dead man walking. It felt the same way with Tim Cross. And this is one guy that it really felt like once Carolina decided to go with Jeff Collins, once they brought in Ted Monachino and or or moved him from his role and made him the full-time D-line coach, it really felt like Carolina, you know, started to build a little momentum just by getting him back on campus. And then inside Carolina confirmed that that visit combined with those moves was really what changed his recruitment. So Carolina is now back in the thick of this thing. Not only are they in it, but they are right there. And it's a guy out of the state of Georgia. And again, I know it might be a little bit tough, but I mean, you could see just, you know, so versatile started the clip. The first thing that you see here, and I'll actually rewind this and go back because I want you guys to see this. Watch where he's lined up right here. He's highlighted. He's standing up. He's basically a linebacker. This is a guy that's listed as an interior defensive lineman, but you see him playing on the edge. You see him playing out of the defensive tackle spot. There is just so much to like about this young man. I, I think 
that versatility is so important for Carolina because it gives you the option of if a guy is not succeeding at one of those spots, and with you know a guy like Merritt, you never really know what kind of body style he will ultimately end up, be, uh, you know, having when he's at Carolina. The versatility is huge. Um, when he does play on the edge, the thing that I like is he's got pretty good speed, especially for a guy that has some weight on him. Um, not typically like some of the other smaller edge rushers that you're going to see. Um, I, so I, I think this is a guy that you know has the speed necessary to really give guys problems, especially if he moves to the interior. If he can you know, move to the interior, carry that speed over, that's going to be incredibly tough for the interior guys, those guards, those centers who have to snap the ball and then get into their stance. It's going to be tougher for those guys to be able to stay in front of them. The other thing that I like is talked about the speed right there, but it's not like he doesn't play with physicality. There's plenty of physicality to his game. And when you talk about the defensive line, that's what you have to see from these guys on the defensive front for Carolina. You just have to because the last few years, you haven't seen it, and that's really been the difference. It's the reason why Carolina cannot shed blocks the way that they have been able to in years past. So hopefully, you know, this is a a situation where if Carolina gets him in, that physicality can carry over. You always wonder about that from high school because it's not a guarantee, especially uh, depending on the level that you play at. But, I mean, look, London is a guy that plays um, now, you know, for him, I think what's huge is that he's going to IMG Academy after playing at Woodward uh, Academy in Atlanta. Woodward Academy, really good school as well. Um, I believe they're in the top classification, if I remember correctly, in the state of Georgia. But now you're going to the national team one of the big national teams in IMG Academy, you're going to have a chance to stand out there. Um, and you know, ultimately, the other thing that I really, really liked is he's just a tenacious pass rusher. You just see, I mean, his, this is pretty much his highlight tape. It's him just getting after the quarterback. And it's, it's desperately what Carolina needs. They need guys that can win at the line of scrimmage on passing downs and really make life hell for these opposing quarterbacks because they just have not been able to do it really uh, in the last few years. It's just, it's just not there. So uh, I I think, you know, for him, this is, you know, Carolina's in the thick of it. Carolina's got a ton of work that they have to do because now that he's going to IMG Academy, everybody in the country is going to see this young man. There will be multiple games that will be on television where you get a chance to see him. So for Carolina, you know, and this staff, especially Ted Monachino, they have to be, I mean, talking to him as often as possible. This has to be a guy that they had, they hold in just about as high regard as anybody in this defensive line class. And I think, you know, that that's going to be the mindset. I, to me, he's the guy right now on the interior of that defensive line that should be your number one guy. That's the guy you should want the most. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how they ultimately end up prioritizing those guys. All right. Now we get to the better ratioed ones. I told you guys it'll be a little bit better. But let's go to number eight on my list. Um, And this one, you know, it's a a guy that, again, not an area Carolina's had a ton of success at recruiting. I promised you guys it would get much, much better. Uh, This is, uh, you know, a guy from the D.C. area. 
Um, it is uh, Kayona, uh, or uh, excuse me, Kane, Kanoa Winston. There we go. At a Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. And Gonzaga is huge. Another national program. Um, so, again, a, a ton of eyeballs are going to be on him. Penn State already in a really good spot for him. But Carolina's holding in there. He was one of the guys that was on campus for that Duke game. And, I mean, look, this is a dude that is just incredibly talented. I mean, you're talking about really one of the best guys, um, you know, for, for Carolina in this class at the safety position. Downhill guy. Um, you see it here. Uh, you know, you saw a couple of clips of him in coverage, but ultimately the, the biggest thing that sticks out is he is just a guy that loves to get downhill and play in the run game. Very physical, very physical. Uh, that was one of the things that stuck out to me uh, is just, I mean, every hit that he's laying on these guys is big. And that's the thing you like to see. We, we've heard, we heard about it from Gene Chizik when he came back. He said he wanted to see physicality from these guys. And it just never really showed up. But these are the types of guys that you have to be recruiting coming out of high school. And look, some of these guys that Carolina has landed in the past few years, this is what their film looked like. Um, but, you know, ultimately it didn't trans, uh, translate over. You have to keep recruiting these types of guys, though. And, I mean, look, the speed is just phenomenal. I mean, look here. Just comes downhill, lays a big hit. Um, and I love him in coverage, too. You know, you don't see it a lot here. You'll see it. Um, sometimes, but I mean, just that right there, being able to close in and make tackles on receivers. Um, you know, G uh, Jeff Collins said he does want to sort of limit those easy catches, but ultimately, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do in this day and age of college football. So I, I really do think that, you know, for Carolina, this is a guy that, you know, they, they should hold in high regard to me. This is the top safety that I have. Uh, in terms of my most wanted, there are definitely some other guys that are in play, a couple of guys in state that, you know, Carolina will probably take a look at. But the, the playmaking ability is just there, um, and, and it's it's nonstop, guys. I mean, you could see it here. I mean, just the, the tenacity coming downhill and making plays is huge. Um, so I, I have to have him right near the top of my list. Uh, in this class. All right, let's go to number seven. And number seven uh, in this class is another defensive back and a guy that I talked about earlier, uh, Onus Conan Bonney. Uh, really, really like this young man. Um, just a, a great coverage guy. And look, you're going to see uh, a couple of ones. This is another defensive clip from him here. But you're going to see a couple of ones here of him on the offensive side of the ball. But ultimately, I mean, this guy is tremendous. I mean, you're you're talking about. I mean, just look at the the the, the closing speed that he has. Um, and there's a couple of other things that we'll see here uh, as we go along in the video. And and this one, I'll, I'll try to talk a little bit longer because I really want to get to a point. There are some offensive highlights, although I can actually move forward in the video. But I mean, just defensively, you see so active around the football, um, good in in man coverage. Um, and then, you know, yeah, you get to some of the offensive highlights. Uh, he ultimately will not play on the offensive side of the football for Carolina. They are looking at him as a defender. But, um, you know, I, I definitely – there's a ton of things that uh, I, I really like. I mean, it, it's helpful that he is able to play the ball the way that he does on the offensive side of the ball. But, I mean, it's just a, a long, rangy corner 
for Carolina. That's what they need. Um, you know, very good in man coverage. That They're going to be playing more of that under Jeff Collins. So ultimately you need guys that just understand how to play in that type of system. And Conan Bonnie does. Uh, and I think he's one of the better guys uh, in man coverage. And, you know, if Carolina is going to take that next step, they need guys that can really separate themselves and stay, you know, locked in on guys in one-on-one coverage because that's we didn't see it, you know, a lot um, the the previous years under Jay Bateman. Um, and then once you got to Gene Chizik, we were supposed to see more of it last year. That's what he told us. Um, he he was pretty much lying about that. That did not end up happening even remotely. And so. Um, you know, now you're, you're looking for guys that sort of fit that mold a little bit better. And here's a great example. Press man right here gets his hands on him. That's what you want to see. And it sort of disrupts things. Uh, and ultimately, that was what Carolina just wasn't able to do a lot of the last few years. Um, you know, I, the thing that I also really like about him, and, you know, we haven't seen a ton of it here yet. There's a couple of plays right towards the end of his highlight tape that I think it really sticks out with uh, is the hustle. Uh, you talk about guys with high motors. This might be the highest motor guy in this class. Um, this is a perfect example. This play right here. Watch this guy breaks through in the middle on a run play while he's locked in on a guy on the outside and just the ability to chase down a play. And you see this. That's the thing. If you see it once twice you may think to yourself well is this something that we can consistently expect yes it is because it's all over his highlight tape if you're seeing it multiple times and again it's it's hard to go off of this because you know you got you really want to go out and actually watch a full game that'll tell you the story but uh to me that's something that you can kind of tell a little bit about how high of a motor a guy has just by watching the highlight tape if it sticks out multiple times I, I really like him. I do. I think he's a really good player, and I think for Carolina, uh, that would be what they need on the outside. Number uh, six is a wide receiver, and, and I think a lot of people will kind of question this one and say, how do you have this guy at number six? Well, here's the thing. With Shamirius Paterkin, it's not the type of player that he is. It is simply the fact that Carolina is not dying for receivers in this class. Yes, they're going to take receivers. They need to take receivers because they need to every year, especially in the portal era. But at the same time, uh, it's not like this is an extreme need for Carolina. So that's part of the reason why I have them where I have them. Now, as you can see here, outstanding player. Really like a ton of things about him. First of all, his speed is outstanding. And it shows up in the deep passing game, like you'll see here. Shows up in the intermediate passing game as well. Uh, this is really just one of those guys that, you know, for Carolina, they, they, they need to keep in-state. It's an in-state position player. This, this is the spot you've done the best job at in developing guys throughout the last few years. I mean, you look at what Josh Downs, is doing. Um, you know, we've 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 seen other guys that have made it to the NFL level, and you're about to put Tez Walker there. So there is a pretty decent track record of guys that have had success here, have and you know, that have then been able to go on and play at the next level for you. So I think, you know, with Paterkin, 
I think he's probably the top guy on Carolina's board at the wide receiver position. And I mean, with catches like that, how can he not be? I mean, over the shoulder, looking the ball in. I mean, the concentration, the ability to create even just subtle separation, just enough to be able to catch the football. That's what you like about him. And, you know, we haven't seen it here yet, but it's certainly a part of what he's able to do. He's able to go and get the go up and get the football. He wins those contested catches. And that's an important thing for Carolina. They just don't seem to have a lot of those types of guys. Um, there are guys there on the roster that can do that, but it's not nearly as many as you would like. And with Andre Green Jr. off the roster, your best guy is now gone. Um, so I, I definitely think, you know, that's one of the things that Carolina wants to add moving forward are guys that can really just pull down the contested catches because we saw, especially as the season wore along this past year, that there are some guys, and that's going to be one of the issues for Tez Walker, that simply cannot win those contested balls. But, you know, there's so much to like about him. Great speed in the open field. Uh, good job of creating separation. Um, and, you know, definitely a guy that has a huge catch radius as well. So that's the reason why I'm so high on Paterkin. It's just if he if this was a position that Carolina, you know, was you know looking for guys at similar to the offensive line, similar to the defensive line, maybe I would have him a little bit higher. But for now, I can only put him number six on this list uh, for number five. Go out of state and look, man, this is one of my favorite guys in this class. Um, this this is just absolutely one of the most electric players in this class. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, he comes out of the state of Tennessee and is coached by a former Tar Heel in Gene Robinson III. Uh, outstanding player. Jamarian Morrow, an athlete. The reason I don't have him higher honestly, is because he is a true athlete. Um, it's just where are you going to play him? And the thing that sucks is that the last time Carolina had a guy like this was George Petaway. He ended up transferring because it really felt like Carolina was neighbor, never able to settle on where they were going to put him. I mean, they had him in the backfield. They tried to move him to slot. Um, and, and ultimately, look, maybe I'm I'm just overthinking this. This is a guy that... Uh, you know, from watching the video, and I mean, look, he just amazing out of the backfield as well uh, because of how he is able to make defenders miss. But he's also a guy that catches the ball incredibly well. I think the slot could ultimately be the spot for him. But because it is a little bit of an unknown, that's part of the reason why I can't put him higher. The other fact, the part of it is he's not an in-state prospect, and Carolina really has to lock down the home state in this class, but still, I mean, shiftiest player maybe in the entire class. I mean, you don't see a lot of guys like this anymore just from watching some of the tapes here recently, um, you know, and again, highlight film, but, but still, you don't see a lot of guys with this type of twitch, at least not that Carolina has been recruiting. Um, I mean, yeah, you see it even there, a little bit of power to his game. So it's not completely foreign, but this, you know, what he does best is just finding ways to, after the catch, make defenders miss like he's doing right here. I mean, this is one of my favorite plays right there. I mean, makes multiple guys miss in order to pick up the first down. And then, I mean, you know, the, this is another thing 
that I really like. The jet sweep ability that turns into a huge play. Outstanding speed. I, I mean, just flies down the field. That's what you're hoping for from a guy like this. Um, and, you know, again, the versatility is something that should be credited, especially at the high school level, because legitimately he's a guy that coming in, you know, you, you have to look at at wide receiver, at running back and at corner. Um, because, it, I mean, the skills are there at each and every one of those positions. Now, again, I would play him in the slot, um, but it's you know really all going to come down to how does Carolina value him. Uh, as of right now, Carolina is not really a major factor in this one. Um, I would hope that this is one that Carolina gets on. And look, coming from Germantown, Tennessee is not easy. Uh, this is, you know, in the far western part of the state out near Memphis. So it's a long trip to Chapel Hill, but Carolina needs to find a way to get involved with this one. You've got a guy in Gene Robinson, the third, who knows what your university is about. He played there, as I mentioned, and he's going to have a teammate that is a part of the team this year uh, that would be, you know, that, that he would be able to join on the roster next year. So I think that this has to be one of the ones to me that Lonnie Galloway uh, gets involved with Larry Porter. I, I mean, whoever it is, uh, even, you know, Jason Jones, whoever it is, they have to get involved with this because this guy is way too talented of a player for Carolina not to be involved, especially with them wanting to, it's clear with the offers that they've handed out, wanting to gain a footprint in the state of Tennessee. Um, you know, you move on to no, the number four player and we go back to the home state. And by the way, you know, with Shamarius Paterkin, didn't really mention where Carolina stood with him, but they're in a pretty good spot for him. And I I feel like that's important to update here. Uh, that Carolina feels like they're in a good spot. Another guy that visited uh, during that Duke weekend. So hopefully, you know, Carolina can sort of build off of that momentum. Now, a guy from, the you know, around that triangle area that Carolina, not in the same type of spot with, but still feels like they're in a pretty solid, uh, you know, spot. And if they really wanted to turn the heat up on this guy, they would have a chance to really do some damage in this one is Trajan Odom. Defensive lineman, three-star defensive lineman from Panther Creek High School in Cary, North Carolina. Um, this, this is a guy that, you know, for Carolina, I think they have to value him. One, because it's just such a huge position to need. And two, it's a guy that's in the state and is a pretty highly rated prospect in terms of your in-state guys. I, I really like some of the things that you see from him here, too. I mean, just his ability to shed blocks, really with the swim moves. That That's ultimately the go-to move for him. There's physicality to his game. Don't get it wrong, um, you know, but – the finesse moves are really what sort of separates him here. Uh, he is a little bit undersized, Panther Creek. I mean, you see there the physicality is where it needs to be. Um, but, you know, Panther Creek, guys, I mean, we saw it last year with Tyler Thompson when he came into Carolina. A little bit undersized. But ultimately, I think this guy is, is pretty legitimate. Um, and I think, you know, once you put a little bit more weight on him, he will be able to handle himself. If he can find ways to shed the blocks inside, that's that's something, you know, we, we heard Mac Brown talk about it a couple of off seasons ago about winning your one-on-one -on -one battles. And we just haven't really seen it. Um, I, I think, you know, hopefully we'll start to see more of it this year with a little bit better scheming, 
um, better coaching from Ted Monacino. But this is a guy that, you know, on on film and some of the guys that are in that room, when you go back and watch their film, you'd see similar things. But he's able to find his way past these guys quickly and make plays in the backfield. Very impactful in the running game. That's another thing that really stood out to me because for Carolina, yes, they need to get a pass rush on the interior. No question about that. And I think, you know, you don't see it much here. Again, it's it's also hard to tell, especially on some of these highlight tapes because you're not seeing full offenses. A lot of the time, high school offenses are very run-based. But you see here, I mean, that's where he really shows up is in the run game. And Carolina needs that so badly. They need guys that can find a way to slow down the run because ultimately if you can't take away the run, you can't really take away anything. And I think we've seen it over the past couple of years. It's been one of the more frustrating parts of this Carolina defense. This is a guy that could eventually down the line help you in that area. You see there pretty good athlete moves pretty well, especially for a defensive lineman, but Again, this is a guy I kind of like the fact that love the guys that are versatile, but I like the fact that they're playing him inside. He's learning at one spot, one position, having to work off of double teams, work against bigger interior offensive linemen, and he's still making plays over and over again. And, you know, the other thing that really I like, and if you watch it here, if you're someone that has a football eye, you'll be able to see it a little bit more than people that don't. It's a good release off the line of scrimmage. And that's just being able to sort of read the snap, get off the line quickly, and be able to get after the quarterback or into the backfield to make a play on the ball carrier. When you get that quick start off the line of scrimmage, it can make a world of difference because it sets you up. You have the advantage against the offensive lineman. Uh, I, I think you see it so much here on his film. And, and this is a guy that, you know, for Carolina, look, uh, there's a, you know, a school out of state, Oregon, that has done a great job in this recruitment. They've already established themselves as a legitimate contender for him. But that's a long way to go all the way across the country. This is a dude that's in your backyard. And don't get it wrong. NC State's going to be involved here as well, and the fact that you haven't played well over the last few years is going to be a factor. So you have to find a way to be able to, uh, you know, battle through. But I think for Carolina, the biggest thing is you know there's going to be playing time here because uh, let's let's be honest, there just aren't guys that are surefire, can't uh, you know, locked in starters really beyond these next couple of years. There's a lot of guys that are going to start to become projects because, you know, the recruiting, let's be honest, did dip a little bit towards the end with Tim Cross because people saw that the development simply wasn't happening. Uh, you know, so Carolina work cut out for them on that one. Another guy that they're going to have their work cut out for him, but you got to put him on this list. And I have him at number three. If Carolina could get involved with Jordan Young, it would be in their best interest. Because this dude's a freaking stud. And he's been a freaking stud for a while now. Um, you see him here at wide receiver. Now, ultimately, I don't know if he's going to play there. Um, you know, originally in this class, that was where he was listed at. They moved him to corner at one point. And now they have him at safety. And you can see why. And he plays a lot of safety at the high school level. And I got to be honest, I love him at receiver. I think he can do some really good things out of that receiver uh, at receiver, 
But ultimately, I think that safety is probably the spot, if you're Carolina, that you want to play. The thing you can see here is the speed. It shows up. It's what allows him to create separation. And ultimately, if it doesn't work out at safety, you can move him to wide receiver. He can play there. Um, so I, I think that's one of the advantages you would have if you bring him in. But, you know, this is another guy. And I said that I had totally blanked that I had him as uh, up here. Um, I have him higher than Kenoa Watson and when I uh, Kenoa Winston. And when I watch him, you know, I think you see some similar things. I do think that he plays the ball a little bit better. Um, I do think he's a little bit better in coverage. Um, so that's the one area that I would give him an advantage. But you'll see it here in just a second. I believe this might be one of his last offensive highlights. Um, you'll see him start to come down into the box and make plays. Uh, and this is ultimately what Carolina wants more of in their safeties. For the longest time, that was the biggest thing for Carolina's safeties, were that they were able to come down into the box and make plays, a la Donnie Miles, but they were not guys that were really able to, you know, make create turnovers while in coverage. This is, you know, a guy that is uber aggressive. Um, you, you would think that, you know, with his ball skills from playing on the offensive side of the ball, good chance that he will be able to make plays. But I mean, Carolina needs more help from their safeties in the run game. It just has not been great over the last few years um, for Carolina in that area. And I think here you're seeing that this is a guy that can help you do that. Um, you know, Very smart player, takes good angles to the football. The speed can make up for it as well, allows him to be a little bit more aggressive than some of the other guys. Um, so that's something that I really do like about him. Um, and I just think really you can see it right there. Really, really solid tackler. Um, but this is, this is probably my favorite play. Just, I mean, comes all the way across the field. I mean, on the other side, on the other hash marks, and comes all the way across the field in between the hash marks and the numbers and makes a play on the football. That I mean, you just don't see a lot of that from kids at the high school level. They don't really have to do that a lot. Um, and for him to be able to do that uh, is tremendous. I, I love this kid. And, you know, uh, part of it is that, you know, of course, you know, when you're from Union County, I'm always going to have a soft spot for those types of kids. But he's been a guy I've kept an eye on for a while now. And watching some of the Monroe um, games here recent in recent years, he's a dude that always stands out. But Carolina, they got a lot of work to do here. This is a guy that when he went down to Clemson a few weeks ago, they blew him away. He ended up walking away with a crystal ball prediction in Clemson's favor. And this is part of the Clemson takeover in the state of North Carolina uh, that could be on the horizon. And Carolina is one of the teams that hopefully can stand in the way of that and needs to with a class that is just as talented as this one is. But, yeah, Carolina, I mean, look, they're one of the teams that I think if Clemson was to slip up, if there's some sort of crack in the armor for Clemson, they're one of the teams that I think can ultimately take advantage. But they got work to do. There's no doubt about it. And for this staff, and especially Charlton Warren, this is one that you have to jump on immediately. Now let's go to number two. And another guy that fits right into that same category as London Merritt uh, is, is a guy out of Grimsley High School. And look, if you know anything about Grimsley, they are a powerhouse 
here over the last few years. Well, this is another guy that should be right near the top, uh, held in similar regard to the way that you were talking and, and recruiting Travis Shaw when he was coming out of high school. Uh, again, versatility is there. They play him inside a little bit. Now, ultimately, he will play on the edge because, look, the release off the line of scrimmage is outstanding. Look at the physicality that he plays with right there. It shows up, and it's for a guy that is not the biggest physical player. He's going to have to probably put on weight when he comes to Carolina, but, I mean, they can't get their hands on him. And that, 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 that right there, that play off the line of scrimmage, I mean, that's ridiculous. That, that release off the line of scrimmage is crazy. Like, and again, I thought that Odom was really good. This is, I mean, this is one of the best in the class. This is one of the best that I've seen in my years of watching. Just a guy that immediately sets himself up for success because of how quickly he can get off the line of scrimmage. And I'll play, I'll, I'll play it back again. Very short, his highlight video, unfortunately, from this year. Uh, now, part of that was because he was injured. I don't think it's ultimately anything to be concerned about long-term. I think he'll be back for the start of this upcoming year, his senior year. But, I mean, just a smart player. There's, you know, I love his speed off the edge, and that's something that Carolina needs more of. Um, I think, you know, they've got guys that have done a good job of being able to rush the passer, um, even while being somewhat slower players. But you saw it this year. A guy that has good speed off the edge, like Cayman Rucker, it really does make a difference. And, uh, you know, combine that with the release, I mean, it makes it hell for those tackles. Um, again, another guy that just sheds blocks. Anytime that a defender or an offensive lineman tries to get their hands on him, a back tries to get their hands on him, he finds ways to shed him. And, and it's with a little bit of physicality, and a little bit of technical pass rushing. That's what you like. You like a guy that can sort of mix and match those things because when you have those types of guys, hey, if you're going up against a guy that's uber physical, that can handle playing that type of game, well, this isn't the only thing that's in my bag. I have the ability to work those technical pass move, pass rush moves, and you're not going to be able to stay in front of me. So ultimately – you know, I think that that's what Carolina, you know, the staff really wants in their defensive linemen, and it's hard not to love Bryce Davis. Now, again, Clemson, heavily involved here. They're heavily involved with every guy in the state, and that's the team that most people look at as the favorite right now. But Carolina is probably number two, and they reasserted that when they got back into this race because Carolina was out of it. Um, you know, I think, again, he looked, he probably heard, maybe he heard from Travis Shaw, no idea, but he probably, even if he didn't, he probably looked at Travis Shaw and said, this is a guy that's not being developed here. And with Ted Monachino in there now, with a new defensive coordinator in there, there's new life on this defense, and I think it's going to allow Carolina to potentially have more success on the recruiting trail. All right, guys. Well, the last guy, and if you know anything about the recruiting in the state this year, it's very, very obvious who this guy is. And how could you not have him number one? It's David Sanders, the offensive tackle out of uh, Providence Day. Five-star offensive tackle, the number one player in the state and the number two player overall. First play that you saw right there showed you incredibly incredibly athletic you see him pull block there 
This is what you want in your offensive tackles, guys that can get out in space. If you're going to throw a screenplay, I mean, the way that he gets out and blocks is outstanding. Now, the thing is, is that one area that people will probably not talk about, but that it is something to look at is he's going to have to put on weight. But to me, there's things here that you can't really teach. I mean, the physical edge is, is there. I mean, he just knocks guys back off the line of scrimmage. And, and you saw it. I watched him. I went and watched, uh, you know, was there mostly focused on Jordan Ship. But it's hard not to have your eyes drawn to a player like this. I, I watched him in the key pounding classic at the start of last year. And you'll see some highlights. He threw some of those in here uh, where he just dominates guys from a pretty good program in, in Northwestern. But, I mean, you're seeing him just completely wash guys out of the play here in the run game. And this is something we have not seen from Carolina's offensive line in these past few years. Don't get it wrong. They've been much better run blockers than they have been pass protectors. But that really isn't saying much. Um, You know, for him, uh, you know, and here's here's a clip right here of him at the key pounding classic. And you'll just see. I mean, just completely overwhelms a guy. And, again, that's a linebacker. So I don't know how much stock you really put into it. it when he goes up against some of the better defensive, uh, you know, the better edge rushers and stuff like that at the college level, it might be a little bit different. But ultimately, when you have a guy that's this talented in the state and can, you know, fit the areas of need for you, you love it. And we haven't seen much of it here just yet. Um, and you'll see it here coming up shortly because it's a it's a team that passed the ball a lot. And And here's a great rep right here. Just knocks the hands down, knocks the player down to the ground in pass protection. That's what you want to see. I, I think, you know, again, coming out of high school, always going to be something that you have to work on because high school offenses are so different. They do run the football a lot. But his offense, trust me, is more up to date than some of the ones that you see. Chad Greer, they run a pretty pro-style offense. Um, and it really does get some of these guys geared up, especially when you have a five-star quarterback in Jaden Davis. Um, you know, again, so much work to do here for Carolina because Clemson is in a really great spot for him. He loves Clemson. He he has been going there. Uh, you know, I mean, any chance that he's gotten, and it seems like every time that there's an article that's being written about Clemson, it's pretty much them asking when is he going to commit. Uh, I, I think, you know, for Carolina, until he tells you no, till he, you know, takes you at, off his list and you're eliminated or he commits, I don't think that you can take this from the top of your priority list. He's got to be number one because he's just too damn talented. Um, you know, Bryce Davis, I, I think, is, you know, a guy that, um, you know, is, is one that would be a perfect perfect fit at the top of your class but this this would be almost next level because yeah you've landed five-star guys you landed Zach Rice um, who was a five-star coming out of high school you landed Travis Shaw ultimately Travis Shaw was uh, was up there this one would be right there with him if not even bigger because again it is the number two overall player in the nation and look he was during last year he was at the Miami game and Carolina wins that game. They go to 6-0. and He was feeling pretty good about Carolina. But then with the finish at the end of the season, I think that really does make you wonder how much of a chance does Carolina 
actually have. And there are so many big boys that are involved in this one besides Clemson, Georgia. Uh, that's where one of his high school teammates from last year, Chris Peel, went. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely question marks about ultimately what ends up happening with him. But I do think that until Carolina is officially eliminated, there's no way that you can't have him as your top priority. So, again, I'll run down the list really quickly. And I know, guys, the Internet connection has been going in and out. I may have to actually re-record the audio edition of this. And I am so sorry. I hope uh, that it really isn't as bad as it's looking on my end. This is the first time in a long, long time that we have had this issue where the Internet has been this terrible. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully it, it's not as bad as I think it is, but I, I'm fearing the worst here. Um, but I'll run down my list again, and ultimately the big thing is, is if you didn't get the breakdown on a lot of those guys, go back uh, and listen. I'll probably have to re-record the podcast, but uh, the bigger thing is, is make sure that you guys read the article on the website. But I'll run through them again here really quickly for you. Uh, number 10 on my list for this year number uh, is the four-star interior offensive lineman, Jalen Gilchrist, out of Salem High School in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, just so much to like about his game. Probably a guy that will kick inside to the interior of the offensive line. Uh, number nine, four-star defensive lineman, London Merritt. Versatile guy, uh, now going to a bigger school in IMG Academy, so a lot of eyes going to be on him. We'll be interested to see uh, how much that actually affects uh, his recruitment and if Carolina can stay in it after they did so much work to get back into his recruitment after the moves uh, at defensive line coach and defensive coordinator. Uh, number eight, four-star safety, Keanu Winston out of Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. Uh, very, very impactful player uh, in the run game. Comes downhill, hits you hard, uh, but also has a lot of speed, can cover a lot of space on the back end and makes plays on the football when they're there to be made. Number seven, three-star cornerback, Onus Conan Bonney out of Heathwood Hall High School in Columbia, South Carolina. The first thing that stuck out to me when I watched this film, as I told you guys, great motor, uh, outstanding speed that just allows him to cover so much space and a really good man coverage defender. Number six, four-star wide receiver Shamarius Paterkin out of Mount Tabor High School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The top skill position player on the offensive side of the ball in the state. Um, really good player, creating separation, wins 50-50 balls, which Carolina really needs. Um, and, you know, as a guy that can catch just about anything, uh, the concentration is amazing. Over-the-shoulder grabs you see on his highlight film, so much to like about him. Number five, three-star athlete, Jamarian Morrow from Germantown High School in Germantown, Tennessee. Uh, shiftiest player, I think, in this class. Not going to be hard-pressed to find a guy that can, you know, just shake and bake in the open field and get away from defenders has outstanding speed that shows up really in all aspects of his game and is a guy that's extremely versatile. He, he will have a chance to play wide receiver running back or corner at the next level, whatever position he ultimately wants to settle into or whichever one that a school thinks is best for him. That's ultimately where he can end up um, four star uh, or number four, three-star defensive lineman Trajan Odom at a Panther Creek High School in Cary, North Carolina. Big need for Carolina along the defensive front, and this is a guy that I think fits things really well. First of all, big-time in-state recruit, 
Um, but most, most importantly, good release off the line of scrimmage. Uh, does a great job of shedding blocks, which is what Carolina really needs, uh, and does it with a combination of the bull rush, physicality, um, and the technical moves that you love to see from these guys. Um, very, very impactful player in the run game. Carolina needs guys, especially on the interior of that defensive line, that can help them in the run game. This is one guy that can definitely do that. Uh, number two, four-star edge rusher Bryce Davis from Grimsley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, talk about a guy that can just shed blocks. That's pretty much all he does. Part of it is that he has great speed off the edge, uh, combined with uh, one of the best releases off the line of scrimmage that I've seen uh, from watching you know these guys over the last five, six, seven years um, when I've been breaking down recruiting for Toriel football. Um, incredibly, incredibly smart player. Uh, just a guy that you know knows how to read the quarterback size, read screens, able to make plays uh, on the football in those scenarios. Um, and you know, ultimately, uh, another guy that just does a great job, even at you know a smaller size, of using physicality, but also combining it with the technical pass rushing moves. And when you have that combination, it's tough to stop. And number one, just told you about him there at the end, is five-star offensive tackle David Sanders Jr. from Providence Day High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Incredibly athletic. Mean streak is there. Powerful hands. Great hand placement. Incredibly clean footwork. Everything you like about a young man, and he's only going to get better when he gets to the next level and adds a little bit more weight. So that is your look at the guys in this class. I know we're an hour in, guys, but as I mentioned, I do want to get to uh, you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, one of the other big things, um, speaking of prospects, the NFL draft prospects for Carolina uh, that they have, guys that are going to the combine, that are going to attempt to get drafted. Uh, there's a few guys, and there's also a group of guys uh, that I talked to Emory Hunt about, who are not going to be at the combine. Uh, so make sure that you guys are sticking around for that. But really quickly, do have to tell you about the Autograph Fandom app. Uh, guys, it is a great app, a chance for you to be rewarded for your fandom. Uh, it's co-founded by Tom Brady, and it's changing the fan experience. So make sure you go to the Apple App Store, download the app, and when you do, put in the promo code HEELTOUGH. And then once you get in, There'll be articles there, all, a whole bunch of different articles, including the Heel Tough blog articles, which you can read there. But the twist is you can read it and then you get rewarded for it. You earn points that you can put towards great things such as tickets, merchandise. One of the things that they're doing uh, that they have been doing over the last couple of days is they'll be sending people to tomorrow's game against Virginia Tech in the Smith Center for a discounted price. $34 for tickets. Um, I mean, that's an amazing bargain, guys, and you can only get it with the Autograph Fandom app. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're reading our articles, why not get rewarded while doing it? I'll put the link in the podcast description for you guys, so make sure that you check that out. Autograph Fandom Rewarded app on uh, in the Apple App Store or uh, the Android app store, or whatever they call that. I don't know. I'm an Apple guy myself, uh, blue all the way. Um, so, uh, but yeah, make sure you download it, go in. And again, promo code heel tough will get you in. You have to have that promo code. It's free to sign up too. That's the thing. Most importantly, it's free. It's no cost. 
you get right in and you can get rewarded for doing the things that you do all the time trying to keep up with Carolina athletics. All right, guys, let's turn to the NFL draft side of things. Earlier this week, they did release the list. The NFL put out the official list of the 321 guys that will be attending the NFL scouting combine. I know it breaks your heart. I'm not going to read all 321 guys here on this edition because we're only focused on the four Toriel guys that are going to be in attendance. Three of them, very, very obvious. Uh, you knew they were going to end up being there at the start. I mean, these are guys that are expected to be gone by day two. Um, one of them will be gone in day one, and that's Drake May, uh, the quarterback for the Tar Heels uh, for the last two seasons. He officially gets his invite. This will be a big chance for him to interview with teams. He's been working with Eli Manning uh, here in the offseason, was with him at the Super Bowl. Uh, so it's very interesting to see that he's you know, already establishing some of those NFL ties. I'm praying that that means that he's establishing a good tie. Eli's putting in a good word for him over in MetLife Stadium, but I probably will be wrong on that, and they will stick with Daniel Jones because, eh, you know, life's a little bit miserable for me, at least uh, in some respects with one of my teams. Um, but, uh, no, in all seriousness, he's a guy that's seen as a top three pick on most draft boards, but this is a chance for him to help himself, for him to uh, really prove to people that he's still ahead of Jaden Daniels and maybe even give people something to think about when it comes to him and Caleb Williams, at least in my mind. We'll hear from Emory Hunt here in a minute, and there's uh, a little bit of a different take from him that I think will definitely interest you guys, to say the least. Um Meanwhile, you go to uh, linebacker Cedric Gray coming off a great senior bowl, chance to build off of that, uh, knew he was going to be in attendance. And look, he's a guy that's trending into the second round now because of the way that he played and practiced at the senior bowl. So this is a huge chance for him as well. I'll be really interested to see if he's able to build off of that when he gets out there in an event that should honestly probably favor him pretty well. Uh, and then finally – uh, there is, uh, or not finally, but Tez Walker um, is the other guy that I think we all knew was going to be there. Um, now, the thing for Tez is, is this is pretty crucial for him. Uh, he really, he really needs this because he did not look good when he was out at the senior bowl. He dropped a lot of passes. Uh, the confidence just, frankly, was In not there, you got the, which is shocking uh, as I pull up the Emory Hunt interview here. We're not ready for him to go just yet. Um, but, uh, look, I, I mean, it was honestly, it was shocking uh, for me uh, to see him struggle the way that he did. He dropped a ton of passes. I uh, just didn't look confident. And I think that's something that shocks a lot of people because one of the things that we saw almost immediately at Carolina was he was very, very confident stepping on the field picking up right where he left off with Drake May in the offseason. And he had some big games out of the gate. And, you know, he goes down there. He had a horrible first two days of practice, just a ton of drops. Um, you know, there were moments where he flashed, where he showed he could create separation, but it just wasn't consistent enough. And then, you know, he sort of gets himself back on track in the third day of practice on the Thursday. Game's on Saturday, and when he gets to the game, plays a ton of reps, doesn't catch a ball in – any of the reps was targeted seven times, doesn't haul one in. That's that just can't happen. Um, if you're going to be a guy that's going to go in the end of the first round where people were talking about him at or early in the second, and now he's kind of fallen into that third round range. So, this is a chance for him to steady his draft stock 
and sort of prove to people, hey, that was a bump in the road, but now we sort of got it back on track. The guy that I don't think we were 100% sure would be there, um, but you know, you started getting more confident after the East-West Shrine game is Miles Murphy, and now he's there. He deserves to be there. He definitely does, and uh, I think this is going to be uh, one of the guys that could potentially stand out to some people because of the way that he interviews. Um, really good kid. You know, I remember talking to him in high school and he really impressed some people when he was at the East West Shrine game. Um, he, he, you know, talked to multiple teams. I know uh, the Eagles Packers were amongst those teams that really, really liked him. Uh, and now he get a chance to interview with them, interview with other teams uh, that will be there as well. So this is going to be a great opportunity for him. I don't know how good he'll actually look in some of the athletic stuff, um, because he's not the most finely tuned athlete. Uh, I think the event, you know, the, the college all-star game, uh, that setting probably fits him a little bit better, especially because one of the things that a lot of people liked was how physical he was. Can't see that. You, you can see it, I guess, on the, the dummy bags that they're going to have out there. But even that, it's not, you know, the thing that you should be really grading prospects on is how hard they hit a bag. Um, but, I, I think, you know, still at the end of the day, there will be people that will fall in love with this dude and be willing to take a risk on him uh, in the sixth round, maybe even earlier. I think there's a chance for him to go there. To me, sixth round is kind of where he's at now from looking at some of the draft boards, the ones that go a little more in depth. To me, I, I mean, I look at it and say he could be a guy that could probably sneak into the fifth round if he is able to impress out there in Indy. So those are your guys that are going to the NFL Scouting Combine. That starts 10 days from tonight, uh, and that, that'll be a fun event, as it always is. Uh, not sure uh, what exactly the order is. I forgot to look that up before um, I, I hopped on here for this edition of the podcast. Let me see if I can actually look it up here really quick. But regardless, I mean, look, it, with Drake, I would expect Drake to throw. Um, just because it's, it's been a while, this would be his first chance. And I think he does feel like he has something to prove to be real honest. So, uh, I, I do think that you might see him get out there and, and spin the ball. And if he can stand out, especially if Jaden Daniels is out there, then I really do think that, uh, it'll, you know, it'll be good for him. Uh, I'm looking right now and I don't really see anything concrete about which days guys will go on. Um, live coverage. Now, of course, as I said, it starts February 26th, but that's really the interviews. Um, so a lot of that stuff won't be televised. The actual NFL network combine coverage starts on February 29th. That's really where you start to get down um, in, into the nitty-gritty of it. They'll get on the field. They'll do the 40s. They'll do all that stuff. As of right now, I don't see. Uh, typically, I know like the specialists are usually uh, where they start, and then they kind of just go from there. Uh, I, I think that will probably be the same thing this year. Uh, you would imagine that they will put the quarterbacks – Skill position players on the offensive side of the ball will be in prime time. Uh, so I believe they might be on the first two nights as well. But, uh, yeah, once we get more information about that, we'll, of course, be letting you know all the coverage online at HeelToughBlog.com. But now we've waited long enough. we got to get to Emory Hunt. And, uh, look, the first thing that I had to ask him about 
was Drake May. Ultimately, what does he think about Drake and this quarterback class? And his answer might shock a lot of people. Uh, HBCU Legacy Bowl coming up next week, and then we got the NFL Combine. So it's still ongoing process. So, uh, look, let me ask you about the most obvious guy here from a Tar Heel perspective. It's Drake May. And, you know, I think right now, you know, a lot of people are kind of wondering where he sits because it seemed like throughout the year it was very obvious, uh, you know, to a lot of people that it was him and Caleb Williams sort of going back and forth. And then Jaden Daniels has the type of year that he has at LSU. And now there's all, all these conversations. You know, we're still trying to figure out what Chicago is going to do. So people are wondering, is he the guy that actually ends up taking over for Sam Howell? That would be a weird situation for sure to have that happen again. But, you know, where do you have him right now amongst the quarterbacks? Because I feel like it's more of a toss up as to whether or not he's the second or third quarterback as opposed to him potentially being that first. For me, he's the fifth quarterback. You know, I'm not as big of uh, a fan of Drake May. I like his game. I do think he's a good player. I do think he's a starter. Um, but I have a couple of guys rated higher than him. Um, and what I like about me, great athlete, able to make plays off script, able to do things that you want to see done at the quarterback position in this day and age um, in terms of, like, the touch, the you know, the accuracy, uh, throws a deep ball. The, in the intermediate ball, I think he throws well. Um, and the ability to get outside the pocket and take off and, and run and pick up those cheap first downs and and be a true dual threat in today's game. He's more willing to run uh, than other quarterbacks that you see maybe compared to him. Like, say, let's say a Justin Herbert, right, who we know is an athlete, but he's more reluctant to run, um, even though he can. But Drake May, if he sees an open, he's going to take off, and that's always a valuable asset uh, in my opinion. So that's where I am on Drake May. I just like Caleb Williams. Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler, and a healthy uh, Jordan Travis ahead of him in that regard. Wow. And so he, not even guys like Penix or or Nick. So ultimately, like, if, if, if you're looking at him, are you seeing him, like, more towards a late first round or even maybe an early second round? That's that's about right where, where it goes. There's someone that's going to be a starter in the league that I feel like can be a starter. Um, but when you're talking about top of the first round, just in my eyes, uh, is only two. It's Caleb and it's Jaden. Those guys are legit game changers in terms of, you know, they really impact the game. They can elevate those around them. And when I'm talking about the guys like Rattler, Travis, and, and May, I'm talking about guys that can be a cog in the wheel, you know, guys that can be a part of a team that can do their part. And as long as everyone else does their part, the team elevates. And we saw that at times at, you know, North Carolina with, with May, at South Carolina last uh, you know, season and a half for Rattler. And we've seen that, you know, I, I think someone like Jordan Travis has done a great job in just changing how we viewed him because his first couple of years was like, is he really the guy there or is it someone else? And then last year and this past season, you was like, okay, Travis really can play. The, the offense just moves and you can't argue with, you know, the success that they've had. And with me, it's like from the time he stepped on the field, I want to say, we all watched the first game or what it seems like the first game was against Florida A&M where they were going back and forth. And then, you know, this dude actually can play. Like he can take off, he can run, he can do all those things. And then he just played well that first year. And then, you know, this year plays kind of like the same way. But for the, the reason why I have me where I have him is a little bit of the inconsistency. Like you're watching the Clemson game 
and you see these insane he had an insane first quarter he's like dang that's a really good throw and then after that you kind of like well where is that it doesn't come consistently you know and you want to see him find that that consistency from drive to drive quarter to quarter um and that's the beauty about him being an underclassman because if he was someone let's say we're still talking about that same level of inconsistency with a jordan travis or a spencer rattler uh it'll be like uh he's you know he's already played five years or so which is why i still have him ahead of like Penix or bo nicks because he's still at the time we there's still room for him to grow and you're banking on the upside and, and him you know channeling that consistency and reaching his full potential yeah i mean that's uh, you know i think you're right i definitely think that we saw especially this year some of those inconsistencies come out in him so it'll be interesting I think yeah but finding a good fit for him especially with a good offensive line I think that's what you saw really at the end of the last two years was just when the O-line broke down made it really tough on him um, but let's you know flip over to the defensive side of the ball and typically you know people will say well you're getting a prospect from the defensive side of the ball for the Tar Heels they, they have really struggled there is that a smart idea but I got to tell you and I thought he showed it at the senior bowl Cedric Gray, I think, is starting to open some eyes. You know, what did you see from him out there? And, um, you know, as of right now, where, where do you see him kind of slotting in in terms of draft position? Well, I'm still grading prospects. I'm Right now I'm on tight end, so I haven't even graded uh, players yet. So just going – because my process starts when I go to these all-star games. Gotcha. So – and then I'll go and jump into the film in, in the midst of that as well because uh, I covered NFL and I covered college all throughout the season. So I don't cover the draft pool all year round. Um, so, you know, for me, he had a great week of work. And this is what you want to do. You want to when you're amongst other talented players, uh, regardless of position, you want to go out there and, and, you know, make an impact. And, you know, that's what he did. He had a lot of people talking about him uh, throughout the week, which is always a great thing. Now we'll see if they'll carry over that um into the combine which the list came out you know today of who's going to participate so i have to check to see if he's on it but if he's on that list and definitely um that that's good for him because of the week he had you know down in mobile so it's good that he's got a name he had created a little bit of a buzz because that's all you want to see um i don't know i know i know another former uh, this is a former tar heel um that had a really good all-star game circuit was uh storm duck you know you know, he he really went out there and played well at corner. I didn't realize he was that big um, in terms of tall. Uh, mm-hmm. So as long as you're creating buzz at the all-star game circuit, I, I think that's a great thing for you heading into, uh, you know, nine football playing season. Well, let me really quickly ask you uh, another guy that I saw get a little bit of buzz. Uh, that's a former Toriel, uh, Miles Murphy. You know, I thought he was a guy that in the East-West Shrine game, sort of stood out. I think there were some Tar Heel fans that were kind of wondering, hey, where was this at times when you were in Chapel Hill? But what did you see from him that, that you liked out there? The 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 array of moves he had in his bag mm-hmm. as, a, as a pass rusher. I thought he was someone that, that really showed that he can get after the quarterback, um, showed that he could really, you know, make things happen and found different ways to do so. He stood out the two days um that they really were going after it in pads it's like wow you know this is impressive and it's hard for fans of a team to see a guy stand out in the all-star game uh and think like man why couldn't he do that with us but here's the backdrop of an all-star game guys especially when you talk about uh certain drills and guys looking great 
for, for pass rushing drills is heavily slanted toward defense. So it's easier for defensive guys to really stand out. For offensive guys, the one-on-ones heavily slanted toward the offensive guys and, and you know, winning these one-on-one battles at receiver and stuff like that. So don't put too much stock in it, but it's always good to see guys go out there and, and do what they do best. But, yeah, he had a really strong uh, Shrine Bowl week. Yeah, well, we talked about some guys that are trending up, but a guy that has to be trending down is Tez Walker. You know, what do you make of, of his struggles at the Senior Bowl? Because, I mean, he just I, – I, I thought at some point he would be able to get it on track. And I thought maybe that solid third day he would get a lot of snaps in, in the game itself. Maybe it would start to click for him. But I was just shocked that – I mean, there was never a point where it really looked like he felt comfortable. Well, to me, that's the that's – the the allure of the all-star game circuit right you you can't like for me right i'll i'll watch guys and then let's say i see guys live right and guys that i have seen already already know what to expect so nothing will surprise me so you know when you're i remember this vividly this was i guess his this, so this was his draft year this guy goes out there has you know dropped a few passes in in the first day and and during individual drills like what they just you know doing indies like going through the cones and all stuff like that and all you saw was people talk about how he's not going to be able to measure up coming from the fcs this is a big you know it was cooper cup so and i i again i had covered a lot of fcs ball i watched cooper cup um dominate break all jerry rice records and i knew what I'm seeing here at the Senior Bowl is not a you know exact replica of Cooper Cup, so I, I'm not gonna say I didn't put stock in it. Didn't put stock in it, but I'm not saying don't put stock in what you're seeing out there. So we know Tez Walker can play. We know his situation coming into the season and how he got a late start, right? Yep. You know, because of the the useless NCAA. Um, but we know he he can ball out, and maybe he just had a bad couple of days of practice. Right. You got to look at his Remember, it's still practice. Mm -hmm. But we know what, what the tape shows us. We know this guy can definitely ball out. We know he can get deep. We know he's a game breaker. So I wouldn't put too much stock in his performance at the senior bowl. He's still a top flight receiver. And again, getting that late start, maybe he hit a wall. You know what I'm saying? And because, uh, again, a lot of the times these are guys that are putting on pads for the first time in four weeks, you know, or a month in some cases that they didn't go to a bowl game um, two months. So I'm not going to put too much stock in it. I still think he's a top flight guy. Uh, but it, this is where all-star games can fool people. Yeah, and the thing is, is I mean, are you concerned at all that may, that that for some teams it, it might be the difference between, you know, because there are so many receivers that are kind of bunched up where he was at. I mean, kind of fringe day two guy that was making a push to possibly be day one because I've seen – and there's just so many receivers that stack up, especially in a draft like this, where once again, it seems like it's really deep. Is that something that, you know, from talking to scouts that, that they do actually weigh when you've got, you know, positions like this that are so deep? Yeah. You, you kind of look for ways to eliminate guys. You kind of look for ways to say, okay, well, if these guys are equal, how did he perform under this intense pressure situation? Cause that's what the all-star games are. Mm -hmm. um, you got every NFL team out there, scouts watching you you have a it's a human nature to look around and be like oh i i, I did this i see everybody writing what are they writing are they writing about me did, did they see this rep or are they looking at someone else 
So you have all of this going on, and, but it's really a test to see who can focus and who can you know, rise to the challenge of a pressure situation because that's the NFL. Every NFL practice, rep, game is all pressure situations. And, you know, if everything is being equal, guys will look at, okay, well, he didn't perform well at the Senior Bowl. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't perform well in the interviews when teams talked to him. That could be the other – that could they could, you know, kind of cancel each other out. Well, he was great in the interview. He hit the whiteboard rather rather well for us, uh, but he didn't have the best practice. And, they'll, and if, if they like you enough, they'll find reasons to, you know, well, you know, this was a, you know, he was coming off an injury or he was doing this or is that, you know, they'll right. find ways to justify. Right. But you're right. It, this can be a deciding factor if both guys or multiple guys are equal. This is the same thing with the running back position, um, how they're so clumped together. And, you know, one thing could be a differentiating uh, point for, for a team. And that could be the, you know, the uh, the indicator of who's getting drafted, who's not. Well, uh, yeah, last thing I'll ask you before we get you out of here. You know, you were at the Tropical Bowl uh, as well, which is, you know, a smaller bowl game. Um, doesn't quite get the same amount of shine as the other ones, but three Tar Heel offensive linemen were down there. Spencer Rolland, Ed Montalus, and William Barnes. Were any of those guys, did you see anything from any of those guys that sort of stood out that may give them – you know, even a chance of being considered for the draft or land on an NFL roster. Listen, last year I said this. I said, you know, Southern Miss is having a really good postseason all-star game circus. Everywhere I went, whoever was playing for Southern, whoever had a Southern Miss helmet on was having a great day, great week, mm -hmm. right? I felt like this year it was Maryland guys mm -hmm. and North Carolina guys because all mm -hmm. those North Carolina linemen did really well um at the all-star game circuit and if i go back two years this was the same case i saw at the nfl pa bowl with mckeithen and um the other cat from north carolina that was out there azudu so azudu yep. i was like man these north carolina linemen are, are excellent you know they're really good and they both end up on the giants right and um mm -hmm. they both played well has played have played well for the giants so down the tropical bowl both of those all three of those guys had really good weeks. It was to the point where you're sitting there watching and you're thinking like, okay, which one was this one? Because am I watching the same guy? Oh, it's three of them. Like, wow. Like, so, yes, these linemen for North Carolina, I don't know what it is about those guys now that I think about it in two separate all-star games in two separate years to, to really get out there and showcase. Speaks volumes to what they do down there in Chapel Hill in developing these linemen because they look great out there in the all-star game circuit. So, yes, North Carolina O-linemen, um, have been doing a great job uh, this All-Star Game Circuit, especially when you talk about the Tropical Bowl. I thought all three guys did really well. Yeah, so I, I got to ask you this then, because those guys, for some reason, when they were at the college level, I mean, we saw them struggle. They were guys that struggled in pass protection, you know, especially Spencer Rollins the last couple of years. It, so it, I, I, have you seen this before where there are guys that just seem to struggle at the college level, but when they get to these types of games, and you're right. I mean, I remember the same thing, you know, when we were talking about Azudu and McKeithen where guys were just raving about the way that they look, what, what do you think is, is sort of behind that? And have you seen that before? Some guys just really take to the coaching of other guys rather well. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's the scheme you play in in college and you, get a shock to the system going to an all-star game circuit where you're playing, they're asking you to do something different and you may even be better in what they're asking you to do as opposed to the scheme. And the scheme could also make guys look not as great as they are individually, 
So when you get to these all-star games and it's all about individual drills, essentially mm -hmm. it's you pre even when in team drills, it's all about the individual. Um, so individually, we know these guys can play. So mm -hmm. it's okay, this guy is doing really well in this drill, right? One-on-ones or nine-on-seven or half line, whatever the drill may be. And then you look at that and you extrapolate the individual skill and say, okay, if I can get him to do this, we do this, and he does that well, it jobs what we do well. We think we got a spot for him and we believe we can get the best out of him. Where in college, yeah, you're trying to hoard a lot of talent and you're trying to piece guys together and, and run your scheme. I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that. I mean, it's all about winning and North Carolina wins a lot. And so some guys are just better, will be better pros than they were in college based off the situation, uh, based off what they're being asked to do. And that's what we're seeing a lot with a, with a lot of guys in these all-star game uh, situation that was a great question uh, well hey yeah uh, we needed your insight on it because yeah i think uh that's that's the thing man people are confused sometimes about why these guys look so much better and uh it's good to it's good to hear that you've seen that before and that you're right it probably is especially with those guys i mean it's th this year you're talking about guys that have seen three different schemes in three years because they've had three different offensive line coaches so that's probably a big part of why uh, Emery, you're the best, man. Thanks for coming on with us, explaining all this stuff to us, guys. Make sure you ch head over to Twitter, check them out at FBall Game Plan. Uh, tell us a little bit. I, I know each year you put out big draft guide. You said you're working on it right now. So, uh, what do you have uh, coming up for us uh, this year, and where can people check it out? They can pre-order the the draft guide at FootballGamePlan.com/slash/2024 draft guide. It's always the largest draft guide in existence, over a thousand individual prospect scouting reports. So. You'll see a bunch of guys across the gambit that'll that'll be in there. That you know, if you're a fan of an NFL team, it's not about it's obviously it's about the guys that get drafted, but right. you know, they bring in a bunch of guys, undrafted free agents, preseason rosters or transient. And you want to know who's this undrafted guy that you know my team drafted well or signed. Well, he's probably in the draft guide. So it's a great resource, not only for the draft, but also during the season when Guys pop up and like, who is this kid out of nobody state? Well, I probably have a report on him. So you can pre-order that at footballgameplan.com slash 2024 draft guide. Make sure you guys do that. Check them out on CBS Sports HQ as well as Sportsline. Hey, Emery, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you for having me. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, there he is, Emery Hunt from uh, Football Game Plan. Uh, he does a tremendous job putting together a draft guide every single year, one of the more opinionated guys on that front. And look, uh, a couple of things just really quickly before I get out of here reacting to what he had to say. Uh, on the positive side of things, you know, Tez Walker says ultimately it's not something that should really cost him that much because – it's not the end of the world. We've seen guys before that have struggled. Um, but, I, I mean, look, here's the thing. You know, he's probably going to fall a little bit on some of these draft boards because, yeah, when you struggle the way that uh, he did, I mean, it, when you have so many of these guys there, it, it's going to be tough for you, for, for people not to remember that. Now, ultimately, there will be somebody that will love his film more than, 
they will remember what he did at the combine or at the uh, or at the senior bowl, excuse me. And he also has a chance to recover at the combine. Combine will be huge for him. He's got to catch the ball well. If he doesn't in those drills where you don't have defenders on you, then I think you're legitimately talking about a guy that could fall late into the third round, maybe even out of the second day. But I think with his ability to create separation, I think with a little bit of time to sort of breathe, collect himself after that, I think he'll be fine. And I think he'll probably slot in. And ultimately, you know, if he ends up at the, at the end of the second round, that would be tremendous. You end up with a with a contender team that probably fits you a little bit better than some of the ones towards the top of the draft. If you fall and you end up at the start of the third round, or yeah, start of the third round, I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing. There'll be some good teams that will still, you know, eventually make their way, um, you know, up into that conversation, especially with trades and everything like that. So you could still land in a pretty good situation. But um, yeah, it, it definitely feels big for him. He, he's got to go out there and perform well. Uh, also, really like the stuff that I heard about the offensive line guys. And I think it's honestly one of the oddest things that we've seen from Carolina. And it's been, you know, two out of the last three draft cycles where we've seen it. Joshua Zudu, Marcus McKeithen, as as he brought up, and look, he said they've they've played really well for the Giants. I would I would debate that. I don't know if they've really played great, but in terms of where they were drafted, I mean drafted way ahead of where most people thought they were. Um, you know, they were put in tough situations with, with the Giants having to start uh, while they probably should have still been waiting to develop. Zudu at one point uh, wasn't even playing guard. They had to play him at tackle because that's how beat up the offensive line was for the Giants. So that probably didn't help them to succeed either. But when it comes to Montalus, Barnes, Rolland, I, I, I mean, look, I didn't really think there was much of a chance that they would make it to the NFL level, but I'll be damned. Uh, they, they are apparently doing the things that they need to do. Apparently they look good down there. I did not see that game. That's a game, uh, the tropical bowl. And I get it. It's a smaller bowl game. So they have to be more creative in how they raise money. One of the ways they do is that it's a pay-per-view event. I did not feel like I was going to be able to, justify spending 40 bucks to watch a pay-per-view event at that rate you better you might be better off just going down there and watching the game um but i i think you know just hearing that is extremely encouraging because i'd love to see those guys end up with opportunities to make it at the nfl level ultimately if it works out for them i have no idea but just a chance i think would be really cool for those guys and then, I mean, the stuff about Drake Bay and the quarterbacks, I mean, that's just mind-blowing to me. Um, you know, again, Emery, very generous with his time. Uh, he comes on, you know, the main airwaves at WFNZ with us each year as well. You know, love him for that. But, man, that is – that's a take. I, I especially, you know, to have Spencer Rattler ahead of him is – one thing, I, I mean, to me, that's that's insane. I think Spencer Radler is probably a late day two, more than likely early day three type of guy. Um, I don't think that the instincts that you see from Drake are there. 
Um, I don't think he's he's got a better arm than Drake either, and that's really saying something because he's got a pretty damn good arm. Um, I, I just, to me, I, I, they're, they're, I've never watched those two guys and thought to myself that Spencer Rattler is a better fit at the NFL level. Um, and then to have him behind Jordan Travis is, is just, I mean, Jordan Travis may not even be drafted, um, and especially after the injury. So that's, man, uh, that that that's one that I disagree with. But look, he's a guy that goes out and scouts these guys. That's his opinion. Um, and it's something that we'll just have to agree to disagree with. I do want to thank him for taking the time out with us. Really do appreciate that. And uh, definitely he, he said it. He is a guy that goes above and beyond when it comes to breaking guys down. Um, and that's something that you don't really see a whole lot of. Uh, you don't see a, a ton of guys go that in depth. Uh, I mean, some of the biggest guys that you see out there, I mean, they don't even get past the top 32, top 50 in the draft in terms of their board. He goes over a thousand prospects. So make sure that you guys do go out, purchase that draft guide and check it out. And uh, yeah, you might scoff at the, at the Drake May, um, you know, criticisms that he has, but uh, everything else uh, definitely will be worth your while. Um, and again, make sure you head over to the website, guys, and check out the articles that we're going to have up there covering the NFL draft. Also, plenty of great stuff uh, for you guys on the 2025 class. Uh, there'll be an article coming out in the morning for you guys uh, that are hanging on here uh, at the end for you to check out where we will talk about uh, you know some of the guys that have set their official visits today. There's now three of them. Uh, another guy added his name to that list uh, while we were uh, on here. It's a guy that's not on the list, Javian Butts, a defensive back uh, out of the state of Maryland. He's going to visit uh, Jul- June 21st through the 23rd. Uh, so, yeah, there'll be an article up in the morning sort of laying that all out for you guys uh, with the uh, three guys that made their uh, announcements today for their official visits. And then, of course, that top 15 for you guys. Make sure you go in there and check that out. Uh, w- one of the funner articles that I got to write bro, really and was able to go through, watch about, you know, film on about 40 different guys and came up with that list of 15 of the guys that I really wanted above everybody else. So. Uh, make sure you check that out. Do it through the autograph app because you can get rewarded for it. That's the best way to do it. So uh, make sure that you guys do all of that. And uh, again, thanks for those who stuck around. Uh, I'm going to go back, look at the video of it and see um, just you know how bad it ultimately ended up being. Uh, I know the draft part, at least, uh, you know, stuff with Emery. Uh, was really good towards the end. So ultimately what I may end up doing is separating these and rerunning this again for you guys uh, where it's just the draft part. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I honestly have no idea. The Internet connection had been so strong here for the last you know two months since we had the issues that we had towards the end of football season. Um, maybe even a little bit more than that, to be honest with you. It's been better. But. Uh, now it seems like, of course, tonight when we want to do one of the bigger ones that we're doing, uh, it seems to fail us. So uh, for those of you that stuck through, really do appreciate it uh, and hope you enjoyed the edition as much as you possibly could. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Emery Hunt for joining me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always...